All right, Heather, A through Z. Okay, let's go with W. Carl Weathers died. That's sad. That's what I figured was on your mind anyway. Took me a second because in my head I was thinking C. And then I was like, wait, W. Oh, no. What is W? Oh, yeah, his last name. But yes, Carl Weathers passed away. That sucks. Yeah, that's He was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of an icon all around. Uh, little anecdotal story about him. Uh, you know, he ex-NFL player, became a movie star, all those things. And, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was kind of trying to do the same thing. He wasn't NFL player, but, you know, athlete in a way, bodybuilder, all of those things. And wanted to get into acting and had made a couple of movies. If you want to see some weird fucking Arnold movies, go watch his old Hercules shit. Was that Hercules in the Bronx or whatever the fuck that one was? Yeah, New York or whatever it was. Yeah. It was terrible. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, <laughs> bad. Uh, but one reason why, it was either one reason why he wanted Carl Weathers in Predator or one reason why somebody else added or wanted Carl Weathers to be in Predator also with him was to kind of show Arnold apparently how it was supposed to be done. Because Carl Weathers, you know, started as, you know, athlete, started doing acting, but actually took it seriously. You know, like took just, you know, showing up, showing up to set, knowing your lines, you know, like doing the job, took it seriously. And like they wanted Arnold to see that. And so Arnold credits a lot of his success to Carl Weathers for just showing him the right way to do it. That's pretty cool. Uh, apparently there's a story about him when he was on a, I want to say arrested development. Like he played himself and they wanted him to be like a, like a foil to the David uh, cross character, you know, in like a lot of ways, like, you know, physically, like all kinds of ways. And they're like, yeah, just kind of be yourself. And he's like, yeah, but what if I was also like cheap and just like, you know, just wanted to add that to the character. Cause he's like, that'd just be funnier. And everybody liked it. And that's why that part was like added to those scenes and stuff that he was like a cheap person. Also it was just, he showed up and was like, Hey, yeah. What if we also did this? Like, so. And also like, you know, weirdly like enough, that. one of the most iconic characters in movie history, you know, and especially considering Creed. And it's funny because I was thinking about the structure of what Rocky was. He's the bad guy of the movie, but he's also not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. He's just the antagonist of the film. But yeah, not a bad guy. And, uh, you know, he's only in a few of the movies. There's so many more Rocky movies than he's in. And. But he does so much like growth with the character. Mm-hmm. You know, he really maximizes what his character was in those few movies he was in. You know, and, and, and in doing so, like him growing as a character, like the Apollo Creed character growing. Also, 
like that's what helps the Rocky character grow. Like that's why you, you see so much growth of the Rocky character was the Apollo Creed's growth, and same with Adonis Creed in the Creed movies. You know, you get because you get the ending point of what the Creed character was as the starting point for what Adonis is. You know, so the fact that like they had done so much with the Creed character with Apollo, it just gives you a good foundation for where you're starting the Adonis character. You know, but also like with the Rockies relationship with Adonis, that's because of the relationship that Carl Weathers and Sylvester Stallone were able to develop in the earlier movies. You know what I mean? Like so much of that, like his character intertwines through so many more movies than he was actually in as Creed. Yeah. It's also just really good to see like when Rocky and him are besties, like that's, that's just good stuff right there. So, yeah. Until Rocky yeah. gets him killed. <laughs> Dang. It's messed up. But no, like I really think really the Creed character of the Apollo Creed character and the Rocky character is some of, you could argue they're some of the, probably the richest characters that we probably have in movies. Just when you talk about that relationship, where they started, where they started mm-hmm. as people, like Rocky was poor, then rich, then too rich for his own good, then lost everything, then regained everything, then became uh you know, went out swinging in his career, then became a trainer, you know, and trained Creed's son. Like that's and then just got an cancer. Incredible. Yeah, then got cancer and, and battled that. Like that's just an incredible journey for a character. You know yeah. what I mean? That Very that's well just yeah, that, that's just an incredible journey for a character, like, honestly, in cinema history. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find a lot of other cinema characters that had that rich of a journey. But Apollo, you could say a lot of the same things about Apollo, how he started as, like Sterling said, the antagonist and the rival. But then you find out there's more to him than that. And there's more to it about what he's trying to do with boxing and then him turning a new leaf and him and Rocky becoming friends. And then him being the one that actually pulls Rocky up when Rocky is down and stuff like that. Like they are probably some of the best characters in cinema, not even because of all the fights, not because they, you know, who they beat or because of how iconic the movies are, but just those character stories are very unique in that way and special. And also how lasting the characters are, even when they're not in a movie. Yeah. Like the, the presence of Apollo Creed is felt throughout the franchise and felt Mm -hmm. through Rocky. And then later also his son, you know, you feel the character of Apollo Creed and it's not, where typically where you feel a character missing, they're able to 
immortalize Apollo Creed without bringing him back, without him being there. You know, yeah, they almost do that with Rocky, except like we talked about in our Creed three episode, there is a weird Rocky shaped hole in that movie. Yeah. But they do a good job with Creed. And you know what? Say what you will about Sly Stallone. All of that's because of him. Like all of it. Like that was his character. He wrote it like everything like. Yeah, you know, and he had, and he had a lot, lot of nice things to say about Carl Weathers too. I um, he posted an Instagram. It was about like two and a half. I don't know, maybe, maybe almost like three minutes long. And he was just talking, and he was at this bar, and behind him there's this huge painting of the steel where Rocky and Apollo were having that sparring session in Rocky three at the end of Rocky three where they're sparring and when they punch each other at the same time, the camera freezes and that's the end of the movie. Well, he had this badass like painted portrait done of that behind this bar that he was sitting at. And he was talking about um, Carl Weathers and what he meant to him and, and, and not only him, but just Arnold, um, everybody that seemed to work with Carl Weathers just said a lot of the same things one of the best people I ever met. So professional. He was a great athlete. He was an exceptional actor. He was incredibly talented. Like it's nice to, well, I'm I'm not saying it's nice when somebody dies, but it's nice when somebody leaves like that and everybody is saying the same thing about that person. Everybody's experience with that person is the same. You don't have to do the thing of, well, they died, but remember that song he wrote, you know, (laughs) or remember that thing she said, or remember that, like, you don't have to do that. Remember all those (laughs) war crimes they committed? Yep. Looking at you, Kissinger. So it's nice to see that there are no asterisks. At least, but you know, you, I mean, it can't say forever. You never know what could happen, you know, with celebrities and what could come out. But up until this point, I feel like with him, there was none of that. Yeah. When he passed away, yeah. it was all good stuff. And that's just, you know, you love to see it. Very true. Yeah. And he was what's uh, Chubbs and Happy Gilmore. It's yep. all in the hips. <laughs> yep. And and even for his time in Mandalorian, I thought he was really good. He was one of those good side characters in that, supporting characters in that. He was good in that. So I'm glad one of know. us watched it and could comment on that. <laughs> so, you know, even when he got older, man, he he always brought something to the table, you know, regardless of what the role was. So that's and I would argue that the Apollo Creed, red, white, the 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 American flag boxer shorts are probably the most iconic. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Shorts of Movie any right. I would reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Like I recognize those before I probably recognize any of Rockies. Well, yeah, because Rockies, it's like what black and just says Rocky on it, like. 
or like a horse or something, yeah. the Italian stallion, something like that. But I mean, you know, but when you see those shorts, you know, when you see those boxer shorts, you know what they are. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, if, you know, in the Creed movies, if Adonis had worn like some Rocky Memorial shorts or whatever, you wouldn't have really known it. But when he puts on the red, white and blues, you know exactly what it is. You're like, oh, that's a reference to his dad. Automatic. Yep. Just You just know. And it's yeah. also one of those things, too. You know, they're going to do it in the Creed movies. You're like, you know, exactly. you're going to see Michael B. Jordan in some red, white and blue. Because why wouldn't you capitalize on the iconic nature of the Apollo Creed look? Exactly. And it goes beyond just the movies. Athletes have in MMA, in boxing, have worn a version of those shorts. Uh, Professional wrestler um, Xavier Woods now in WWE, but he used to go by Consequences Creed when he was in... uh, uh, TNA and he had the Apollo Creed shorts. I've seen cartoons and like somebody, uh, you know, when they're doing boxing, like I've seen cartoons spoof Rocky well, and one of the characters is wearing those shorts. And like, and to further your point, Justin, it kind of says something when your character characters look kind of ends up becoming more iconic than, I don't know, America. Because I guarantee that there's probably some boxer out there that's worn red, white, and blue. And he's like, yeah, it's for America. And all I'm thinking is, ah, oh, Paul Creed. Yep. <laughs> I don't even think of America. Yep. I think of Creed. Yep. You think of Creed. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, anybody. It doesn't matter. Like you said, you're wearing some red, white, and blues, like, shorts, and you're doing a combat sport. You're doing a Creed reference. You're not honoring our country. You're doing a Creed reference. That's all it will ever be to me. I, I think even one time, you know how the when Halloween comes around, those Halloween shops open up. And you know how you can go and buy a costume. And for copyright purposes, they can't they say, say what, what it, it is, is yeah. but it's there. But yeah, it's like, you know, young prodigy magician. And it's clearly like, uh, you know, it's clearly like a Harry Potter costume or something. Yeah. You know how like it'll it'll have that. Well, I I could I'm pretty Magic sure I went in there one time. Yeah, you know, and I'm pretty sure one time I went in there and it was like, it was like charismatic boxer, and it was it, it pretty much was those short. It was those shorts and a bunch of. Red, white, and blue stuff with it that you could wear, and a, and the top hat with the Ooh. American flag oh, on it. I, like I almost I was forgot right. about the top hat too. Like, yep. oh yeah, yep. And the thing is with it too, it's one of those things. Like, not to take anything away from Will Smith or anybody that has played Muhammad Ali in a movie, but let's re, be, let's be real. Carl Weathers played the best Muhammad Ali you'll ever see on screen. That's kind of true. That's kind of true because that's what the character was supposed to be and embody and everything. So that is true. But also made it his own. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, you're not going to confuse Apollo Creed with anybody. Yeah. It's, it's a facsimile of Muhammad Ali, but it's also very much in its own right. 
Apollo Creed. Like it is its own thing. But yeah. yeah. And how many other people could handshake with Arnold and that become iconic? Like, I mean, how, how many people could do that? How many people could who else do the has bicep the handshake to think with? They could have the biceps and forearm and tricep musculature to just have the audacity to do it and it not be a joke. Exactly. I, I could do it with Arnold, but it'd be like, look at the scrawny man with Arnold. <laughs> exactly, man. But he did the thing, man. He was right there when he said, you son of a bitch. And they did that head shake and you, those biceps were just bulging. You just felt like, man, he is, he's his equal. Like you, they felt like equals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he, and, and that's just speaks to his screen presence and really what he could bring to any role. That's the kind of presence he had, man. Like that. And that's just badass. Just one of the, badass dudes that live. Yeah. He's a, he was a legend. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And weirdly done a lot of movies where he doesn't, where he's missing an arm or a hand at least. Cause he, he loses his arm in predator. And then when he played Chubbs, he was missing his hand. Mm-hmm. But yes, Carl Weathers though, certainly will be missed. Certainly. Um, real quick. It's, we've been going for a while and I'm almost tempted to maybe wait on this because this might be a long topic, but then I remembered what movie we're reviewing tonight. We got all the time in the world. All the time. So Academy Awards. Been, we've been waiting on this until we're all back. So Academy Awards. A lot of controversy with who was nominated, who was snubbed, all those things. I want to get away from that aspect slightly. Not going into any specifics of who was nominated or who not, but but kind of pose a philosophical question to you guys. What do you think, or who do you think, however you want to word it, who or what do you think the Academy Awards are actually for? Because I, to me, it would come down to two things. Is it for, is it meant to be a prestige award? Is it meant to be like, you know, do they want to be looked at as we give the awards for the art? of making movies or is it just meant to be the most popular award for movies? Not that they give awards to the popular movies, but they just want to be the most popular award given to movies. The most famous award, if you will. What do you think the Academy Awards are actually for? I kind of feel bad because I kind of feel like I just threw this on you with no warning. And I've been stewing on this for weeks. <laughs> I mean, it is a good question. And I feel like it's probably changed over time of what it was supposed to be. Like, I do feel like when you said, you know, is it supposed to be a prestige award? 
that's what, you know, it, the, the, uh, the aroma that it gives you of like, oh yeah, the Oscar Academy Award winner. Like, because I still, even when I hear, you know, Oscar winner so-and-so, I'm just like, that's like the highest award you get in acting, you know? And like, that's how I still kind of see it. But probably just because back when I started watching the Academy Awards, that's more what it was. Um, It's hard to say because I feel like, you know, it, I feel like they also used to be a lot more like, I don't know if I'm going to say mainstream in like their movie selections, but like when you used to hear about the Academy Awards, it was these movies that everybody had seen these very like well-known movies. And like, you, you got like your, your Forrest Gumps and your Bravehearts and your, you know, you got like all of these like famous, very well-known movies that, you know, everybody watched. But I feel like now it's this weird thing of like, they only, they, they have so many like very unwatched or unheard of films that are in very big categories these days. And I don't know what that's about or if that was intentional and to just to be like, oh, if you're a real movie fan, then you'll have seen this. And we want to show you why by giving this award uh, credit for it. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it's it's gotten away from it's trying to become a little bit more niche or something than it used to be. I don't know. It's, it's kind of also, I've lost a lot of my excitement around award season in general, because I just feel like I don't know that they know what they're trying to be anymore. Sometimes if that makes sense. Do you have a thought, Justin? Um, I mean, it feels almost like a difficult, that's just a very difficult question to answer. Like, what is it for or who is it for? I mean, the the, the only answer, I guess, just thinking about it immediately without doing any research or anything is, I think really much like anything with Hollywood or really like anything with awards or anything kind of ceremony like that. I think it's been a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? Sometimes it feels like it's about going with trends and celebrating trends and what was popular or what they think is popular things like that, that kind of go on in Hollywood, the media, the news and stuff like that. I mean, there are times where you would get people in their acceptance speeches, but they're talking about politics or they're talking about climate change or they're talking about, you know, so sometimes it's just a reflection of, it's the pulse of what people are feeling at that time. Other times it really is about who these, who these people think the, or or who this, the, the voters, the selectors or whatever think sometimes it is about 
who was the best actress or who was the best actor or who was the best director or who had the best screenwriter and things like that. Sometimes I do think it is about that and the right people win. You know, there have been times where people who I rooted for or people that I voted for did win. And it did feel, and in that bubble, in that moment, it did feel like to me, oh, the right person won. I saw all these performances and I liked that one the best and I feel like the right person won. Sometimes just from what I've heard from just people who've done research and stuff, a lot of, sometimes it's about money and it's about who can leverage their awards and mm-hmm. um, who can, you know, who can get the, the, the spotlight to even be selected or nominated anyway. So sometimes it's about leverage, about money, and it's about, I guess, Hollywood politicking in that way. Um, and then, but I think a lot of it too is about um, honoring and giving credit to people who really do well when it comes to making movies, because there aren't just awards for like best actor, best actress, best director. I think that because that's what's televised, we get caught up in that. And you tend to just, if you don't believe in what's happening there with those awards or the selections or how they're made and stuff, you tend to just look at that as the main part and write off everything else. But the truth is, is that's a long ass ceremony where all of these people are receiving honors. People behind the camera receive on, receive Oscars for technical stuff, for set design, for art, you know, for, um, you know, artists that were on the artists that were on the movie costume design, stuff like that. So I think it would be really facetious to just write all that off and say that it's about none of that. I, you know, that it's about, it's a whole bunch of nothing. I don't really believe that either. So whenever you come across, I I come across a question as hard as this. I just believe the truth is in the middle somewhere. Sometimes we do get the best actor. Sometimes we do get the best actress. Sometimes we do uh, truly honor and honor the right people, the set designers, the people behind the camera, the grips, the, 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 all those people that are winning those technical awards and getting those acknowledgements. Um, sometimes it's about diversity. Sometimes it's about trying to honor the the foreign language films or these foreign films over here or these documentaries over here or these other genres of film over here. Um, so honestly, I think um, when when you are trying to be about all of it, you're just going to hit and miss and you're not going to hit every target. Not everybody's going to agree with you. Not everybody's going to agree with the methodology. And I don't know if there will ever be a way to truly judge rank or say who is the best when it comes to something so objective or or I'm sorry, so subjective like acting and movies and 
kicking who's the best actor. How do you even really, how do you truly judge it? You know what I mean? How is it a true competition anyway when the only way, because like there are people that, that will sign off to the whole thing of in order to have a true competition, you would have to put the same people in the exact same scenario doing the exact same thing and say, who was the best actor? Like really to truly have a best actor, every single one of those actors would have to be in the same movie, play the same part and play the same character for us to go, Oh, he was the best. That's the only way you could truly get a best. You know what I mean? So it's not even really like a true best because this shit is all subjective anyway. So I guess I'll just end this with the Oscars is whatever really you want it to be (laughs) because really it is everything. It is all of the above all the time and it will continue to do that. It'll continue to change. It'll continue to modify because ultimately that's, kind of what the Hollywood machine is. And it is a product very much of the Hollywood machine. I do think, and I I like the way you say, said that Justin, it's a product of the Hollywood machine because I think it is having a crisis of identity. It wants to be the prestige award. It wants to be what what movie fans and in the media and actors and directors and everybody associated with film. It wants to be the award everybody strives for. It wants to be the award that is like the definitive award. When you hear that person won best actor, they were the best actor that year. That's what they want to be. And I think that leans into what Heather was saying with, especially now, you're getting a lot of lesser known movies being nominated for things. And the reason why I think it's having a crisis of faith, because it also wants to be the award show you watch. They're televising it because they want you to watch it. They want everybody to watch it. They want, if you've just seen a movie this year, they want you to watch it. They're not doing like the golden globes did. And what you and me made fun of the golden globes for Justin when they're not they're not competing with football. They're not being they're not airing the same night as the final game of the regular season of the NFL. Nah, they're in some fucking night in March. Nothing else is going on in March. Name one thing that goes on in March. You can't. Nothing happens almost the entire month of March. Except like St. Patrick's Day and, and uh I guess technically, yeah, your birthday, Heather. Sorry, I said your birthday was nothing. But you know, like those are the only like nothing happens in March. So yeah, Academy Awards, March, get your own night. Nothing else is happening. You're like, yeah, watch our shit. See what the celebrities are wearing. See what movies win. Talk about it. March Madness, right? But I don't think it's the same time. I think it's after. No, yeah. Like a lot of this stuff's during the day and it's like a whole thing. And yeah, but I'm just saying like, there's not, there's not that many singular events in March. You know, because even then the NCAA men's college, men's and women's college basketball uh, championships are in April. So, you know what I mean? But it's just one of those things that, like, it's your singular night. 
you know, tune in, see who wins. But then that's where the problem, I think, lies with things. Because there was controversy with certain people being nominated and certain people weren't. That controversy exists because you're nominating people in movies 90% of the public didn't know existed in these major categories. And you're snubbing the movies that they did watch. There's a reason why people are throwing a fit about Margot Robbie not being nominated. Because look at the box office. People saw that fucking movie. And then you have that movie Nyad. Netflix movie. Technically released in theaters because it has to be to be nominated for an Academy Award. Most people didn't know that movie existed. I didn't. Two people are nominated in the actress and supporting actress categories for that movie. No one knew it existed. That's why people are kind of throwing a fit about Margot Robbie not being nominated. Because nobody saw these other fucking movies. Like, from what I've heard, Poor Things is an amazing movie. It has gone to theaters, been pulled from theaters, come back to theaters, been pulled from theaters, comes back to theaters. Who the fuck's actually able to watch it? Could be the best movie of the year. Nobody's able to watch it, though, because it, it has the weirdest release schedule that's ever fucking existed for a fucking movie. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying. It's oh, it's having a crisis of faith. People are going to be upset. Barbie's not nominated for shit because everyone saw it. Most people liked it. So, yeah. Is it the best movie of the year? No. Is it the movie that everybody saw in theaters? Yeah. I think that, you know, I think that uh, Past Lives is a better movie. I think Killers of a Flower Moon is a better movie. I also understand 80% of the people that are pissed that Barbie's not nominated for this or nominated for that didn't see that mo- those two movies eat, though. Like, I get it. So I understand their outrage because that was the best movie they saw. Because your in-general public might see six movies a year in theaters on average. And if that's the best one they saw, yeah, they're going to be pissed when you don't treat it as such. Yeah. But, and that's why I'm like, they're having a crisis of faith because they still want you to watch it. They're like, hey, we know you liked Barbie. We know you loved Margot Robbie. And we know we did nominate her, but please watch us anyway. I almost feel like that's why they, they, what a few years ago actually started including like MCU movies as <laughs> things that could be Oscar nominated, you know, cause they're like, yeah, everybody did see these and all of that. But now it's like, they've gone away from that again. But, and, and it's also like what Justin said, it's, it's the trendiness of it all, but it's also, they're like three years behind every trend because also Hollywood's three years behind every trend because once a trend starts, That's when you have to then get a script, get actors, make a movie, then, you know, edit it and then release it. So, yeah, they're behind on all trends, you know. But that's when they really was two years ago when they did best cinematic moment of the century 
or whatever the fuck that award was that they did. And they're like, yeah, and the fans get to vote on it. They're like, yeah, we're going to do online voting. Fans get to vote on it. And we're going to call it the cinematic moment of the century or of the millennia or whatever the fuck they named that award. And so now the cinematic moment of the century is the flash going back in time in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Because, you know, they had no control over the, what the fuck they did. They just were like, hey, guys, we're going to let you do whatever. And this is what happened to them. They're now associated with that. And I understand I've got that bias of I think that movie shit. But even if you love that movie, are you really going to call that the cinematic moment of the century? Also, why the fuck are you doing that award at the beginning of a century? We don't even know what technology we're going to have in 50 years. And that's your moment of the century? In 50 years, we might be able to film somebody actually going back in time. Would that not be the cinematic moment of the, the century at that point? Really doing what The Flash did? But no. No, no, no. It's already been voted on. It's done. Wow. All because they wanted to have a memeable moment. You're the Academy Awards. Fuck having a memeable moment. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, the fact that I could name like a handful of other moments in movies that I would put including moments from Barbie, to be honest. But yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And, and these are just, I think, problems that, that it'll just forever have, because what is the perfect answer to any of these things? Like if, like back to the Barbie thing, should Barbie and Margot Robbie and, should that stuff have been nominated just because a lot of people watched it, you know, or should it be nominated because they, because these voters saw all the movies and just, and thought that these other actors, actresses, directors and stuff were better. Well, or should there be some other criteria or should there be that? And you know, you, you'll have people on both sides. You'll have some people could argue, well, it was the most popular movie. Barbie made the most money. Most people saw that. So they should be up there because isn't that what this is about? Isn't that is isn't it about making money and stuff like that? But then you're going to have somebody else over here go, well, no, it shouldn't always be about the money you made. It should just be about who just pure acting wise had the best performance. It shouldn't be about the money or this, that, and the other. It should just be it should just be purely who had the best performance. And if, if we can't say that Margot Robbie belongs on that list, that she doesn't belong. I don't care how much that money made. Is that person wrong? Is the person before that wrong? Is the person before? And that's the thing. All of this is too subjective to try to come up. It's so it's going to, it's just too difficult to come up with these, with this perfectly fair way to do it all. Do you have the fans vote in one of the people well, who gets in? Like, is that what you do? So do they, do you have 
the voters pick and then an online vote thing goes, okay, so we picked our nominees, but we're going to have a fan vote in and this one person is going to be nominated for actress and the fans get to determine who that other nominee is. Do you let fans vote that way? But, but you know what happens sometimes when you let people vote? You get <laughs> they the, do bullshit. You get the they flash every cinematic moment of the century. <laughs> exactly. No, they do yeah. bullshit. I, I 100% so, agree with you on that, Justin. I, what I, do you do? I, I think I, all you can do is try, man. All you can do is try a bunch of different shit. I and think, something sometimes it'll catch on, sometimes it won't. And that's what we have. I think there's some know? simpler solutions, though. I think one solution is be more fucking transparent with your nomination process. Be fucking transparent about the fact that these fucking studios pay and campaign your members to get nominated. Be transparent about it. I think another thing you could do, change your requirements a little bit. Make it to where if you want any of your movies nominated for a category in the Academy Awards, they have to have a legitimate wide release for one month. Doesn't matter if you're a streaming movie or not. You got to put your shit in theaters as a wide release. You can't have your shit be in New York and LA on two fucking screens for a week and a half and go, yep, that's it. Nominated. No, make it to where you force these studios to where if they want their shit nominated, they got to release it. They got to give the audience a fucking chance to watch it. I think with all these animated short films and these short films and all this other stuff, a condition to whether or not your shit gets nominated, you have to allow the Academy Awards to put it on their website to stream for free for these short films. Because how the fuck else are you going to watch that shit? Yeah, how are you supposed to see it? Half the fucking time, they don't release anywhere. They're at just some fucking festivals here and there. You've got no way to watch it. Give I mean, people give people the opportunity to see these movies like legitimately. Yeah. Or yeah, that don't, I agree with. Or just don't make this the, you know, televised popular awards then. <laughs> you know? That's to me the, the other solution. Scale it the fuck back. Yeah. Put this shit on fucking like on, on YouTube and go, hey, if you want to watch it, here's this. Don't make it a spectacle. Scale it down because to me, then you're saying you're telling the audience too. nah, this shit's about the movies. This isn't about the spectacle. This isn't about come watch all these fucking celebrities just be here. This is about the award. This isn't about the spectacle. I think you cut out the bullshit that way too. Give yourself a clear identity. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean by this. Because as I just wonder if there's how much money is in doing the show and having the I, I, I wonder if it is worth it financially to not have it. OK. Or to scale it down, like you said, I, I don't I'm not sure about that. I don't think it hurts to have a show in a ceremony. I mean, it should feel important. I think it should have. And like I said, it's not just what we see on television, those people being honored. You know, you got the whole, honestly, it would be cool if you could watch, even like, even if they televise a certain part, 
I wish the whole thing was available the next day or something yeah. like that where I could go and watch it. So if I want to see the 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 grips and the art designers who got awards and stuff like that, because, you know, there are people there are people going to school for that. Well, there yeah. are people interested in doing that artist artist awards and stuff like that. That doesn't, but the technical side, they don't even fucking televise the technical. Awards. Yeah. They don't even televise it. So I think some, you ought to shoot that too yes. and have that available on streaming. But I do like your idea. I don't know. I do want, I, I would keep the show, but I do like your idea about making the films accessible to watch I mean, even if it was this special thing where, like, you go to the movie theater and you pay X amount of dollars and it gives you access you to make a all deal? of the Oscar yeah, movies. You make, a deal you make some with, sort of deal. With with theater chains and be like, hey, like, for the month leading up, every weekend, you pay 50 bucks or, like, or 25 bucks a yeah. weekend. You, you can make 100 bucks on just that. And all it is is just do it almost like a film festival where it's like, hey, yeah. starting at this time. We're going to chain together eight of these fucking movies every Saturday and Sunday. Eight movies, eight movies, eight movies, eight movies for fucking two months or like a month leading up to the Academy Awards. Yeah. And then it would feel special. And then it would feel like you had a chance yeah. to see all the movies. You know, it, it it would feel, I think, more special if I could see all the movies. Because when I was really into the Oscars, it was because you could watch them. I saw all the movies. I saw all the movies. So I'm sitting yeah. there going, yeah, man, let's see who's going to win. And I remember when I was really the most into it, it was because I saw all the performances. I saw yeah. all the movies. So it felt, so I felt like, you know, I had my little, uh, my little write up thing of the, my predictions and I'm sitting there going, all right, let's see what happened. But yeah. when you don't watch all the movies, it feels a little like, yeah. Oh, well, she won. Well, I like her. She's cool, but I didn't see that movie. It it's true. It doesn't feel the yeah. same when you can't exactly. watch it all. And the thing is is that that's another just I think too. I don't think that's necessarily the academy's fault. I think that's just a product of the time changing too because where it used to just be you go to the movies and watch the movies and that's it. It's not really that way anymore. You got all these streaming services. You got all these movies over here. You got movies on Paramount. You got movies on Netflix. You got movies over here. You got movies over there. So, yeah, I think. But that's why changing something about the accessibility is uh, is a big key to it. I think think. that's why the Academy Awards made the rule of you have to be in theaters for two weeks, but they didn't really make it still have to be a big release. I did not know the movie Nyad existed until it was nominated because I don't think it was nominated for a single Golden Globe. I haven't heard it being nominated for a single other fucking major award out there. All of a sudden, it's got two Academy Awards nominations. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's that's what I meant, too, about like it used to be those like I mean, and I don't know if I want to say popular movies, but those movies that were very like well-known movies that they used to do. And well, like, I, I could be excited because I was like, you know, Oh yay. I saw that movie. They were amazing in it. I'm so glad they won. And yeah, can't really do that as much now before the golden or before the um, Academy Awards. And it, it, it's, and that's exactly because it's a combination of what you both said. It wasn't that those were the popular movies. It's just all movies went to theaters for the most part. 
You know what I mean? So you knew they existed. Now, like Jason says, you have the streaming services. Everything is so fragmented. But that's why they they did put that. Like I said, that's why they put that caveat. You got to be nominated or to get nominated. You got to go to theaters for a little bit. They did that because Apple won with Coda. And Coda went straight to Apple TV. And so that is why they put that. But I'm just saying, make it bigger. Because while the Academy has no control over what theater or what studios do with their movies, like I said, they can just make it one of their rules, though, and force them to do it if they want their shit nominated. That's the thing. That's how they do it. That's how they influence what studios do. Go, you have to do this or we ain't considering your movie. You know, because that because I agree with you, Justin, when did I care about the Academy Awards when I had a fucking shot at seeing all the movies when I didn't see a movie because I just didn't go see it? Not because I didn't have the opportunity. Like I live in the third largest metropolitan fucking area in the fucking United States, and I still can't see some of these movies. That's a problem. You know what I mean? Like, that's my fucking issue with this. Because if you want, because I agree, if you want this to be a spectacle, give people a fucking shot. Because like you said, Justin, why are these movies getting nominated? Because all the people that get to vote are sent these movies for free to watch at home. Okay, they did that for me. I can fucking watch every fucking movie ever made if they want to do that for me. I'll watch yeah. every single movie you ever want and I will, you know, be able to sit down and give you a a legit, you know, breakdown of why I'm nominated. Every, half this fucking shit you can't see anywhere. Yeah. And it, and like, I really like the idea that the, that whole thing about paying a little extra and being able to go to the movies and just kind of watch the lineups, you know, I would straight up right now probably like pay I would 50 pay bucks on a Saturday right now. 50 bucks on a Saturday right now to just go watch every animated and film short film nominated for Academy Awards right now. Yeah, like I was and I was about to say, yeah, like you could separate it into different weekends and the, the short films, the documentaries could show one weekend, the animated films could show one weekend. I would watch the hell out of those shit. Who the fuck gets you know to watch I mean? any of these documentaries? Where the fuck are they even playing ever? Exactly. And some of them are so good. Like, I I mean, because sometimes I would backtrack after the Oscars and try to find some of those documentaries and watch them. And the few that I got to watch, they're so good, man. But I just wish. But some I don't even have. I don't know how to get them or have access to them or unless you're going online and going, doing some shady shit, trying to find them or whatever. And it shouldn't be like that. Exactly. You know, why do I have I would to break the you. law to see I your would shit? pay for it. Yeah. Like I would pay for it, make it accessible. And then I think you would probably have more people. Uh, there'd be more interest in the Oscars because then more people will have seen what's nominated. So I, I do think that you could, that there's definitely something that could be done about the accessibility of it. And I want the 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 rest of the award show to be accessible too. It's cool to see the stars and the people get up there and um and, and the celebrities we know and are familiar with go up there and I get that that's you know and then sometimes they're they're playing songs from the Oscars and you have a host 
that we're familiar with, the celebrity host. So I get all of that for a show. It is supposed to be entertaining in some way and not just people walking up receiving statues. So I get all of that. But make the rest of it, though, at least video the the rest of it. So I can see some of these people who are awesome at art design or these artists or these people that made this uh, camera that floated uh, along the stairs. And that's how we were able to get this shot of Sam Rockwell. Like it would be cool to be able to watch them receive awards too and see what they talked about or see what some of them said. And especially for people who are pursuing careers in that kind of stuff, or maybe thinking about it, you know, it might be cool to see some of that. And why couldn't that be put on a streaming service? Why couldn't you you just have access to that on the Oscar yeah. site? Like I said, I make could it just a watch condition. The whole thing? If you want your, your shorts especially to be nominated, you have to allow the Academy Awards for the month leading up to the awards ceremony, have it for free on their website. It gets them traffic. Yeah. You put advertisers on all kinds of shit. That's a win-win yep. for me. Plus, that allows other people to see your short films. Exactly. Oh, no, that's the worst thing ever. If somebody watches your short film, oh, no. Point in case, 2017 film, Dear Basketball, produced by Kobe Bryant, won the Academy Award for Best Animated Short. Who the fuck's seen it? Yeah. That shit's nowhere to fucking be found. I can't even give iTunes five bucks to buy it. It's a six minute movie. I'd give them five bucks to watch it. I can't do it. You know how you can watch it illegally on YouTube from other people uploading it. And it shouldn't have to be like that. So I'm, I'm sitting here wanting to legally give you money to watch the shit you made. And I can't. Yeah, that's really frustrating. Yeah, something's got to be done about that for sure. That's the first step. I can't tell you how to fix the presentation or how people are going to be feel next year and how you can do your presentation on a show. But I think starting with the accessibility of the films is a great starting point because that is never... Because ever since we, uh, the way we consume media has changed so much with the apps and the streaming, and especially when COVID hit and everything like that, and just everything has changed about the way we consume film and entertainment and everything like that. So since you don't have just the one medium going to the movies anymore, we got to open that shit up. Like, like we were saying, we got to make that shit more accessible so everybody can see everything. I totally agree. Yeah. How bad would it be if people watched your films nominated for awards, Hollywood? Yeah. They probably spent $8 million to make that six minute film and they won't even let me give them money to recoup some of those costs. Like, that's that's just what blows my mind with some of this shit. You know, while I agree with you, Justin, sometimes it's fun to backtrack with some of these things, like the documentaries especially. You watch them afterwards because you finally hear about it, and because they were nominated, eight months later, they finally decide to allow you to watch it. Yeah. But it's only because it was nominated did they let you watch it eight months later. Like, that's the... 
let me watch it before the fucking ceremony, jackass. It's like, come on. Because yeah. to me, that's the thing. If you fix the accessibility and you make it easier for people to watch your fucking movies, people might not be pissed that Barbie's not nominated because maybe they saw your other movies. And maybe True. they're like, I love Margot Robbie in it. Not, you know, it's fine that it was the highest grossing movie. But yeah, this other performance was better. I agree with that. And then people are tuning in because, you know, they saw shit. I, I, I've, I've been, you know, we've talked about letterbox over the last few episodes. I'm, I'm almost to 2,300 movies now. And I still haven't seen half the shit. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Open it up, Hollywood. Open it up. Because like, I, 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 I guess I had discounted what, uh, that, that aspect of a little bit of what you brought up, Justin, what you touched on too, Heather, for different reasons. But yeah, I used to be excited when I had seen all the fucking movies just cause I went to the movies. Yeah. It's real easy to get excited about shit when you've seen it. You know, exactly. Like, it's, there's just something about seeing the buildup, man. It's just, you're more invested. So Help me be more invested, man. If you want more people to watch your shit, they they need to be invested. And the only way to be invested is you got to see the shit. You got to see the movies. Yeah. Or at least at the very least feel like you had a chance to see them. It really sucks when something gets nominated, like you said, a ra- and it just feels like a random movie. And you're like, what is this? You know? And And granted, I get the integrity of it. Like, well, just because... Not everybody has seen it doesn't mean it wasn't good. Doesn't mean that those those actors and actresses don't deserve credit, et cetera, et cetera. I get all that. But damn, man, make some of this stuff available, man, beforehand. I'll pay for it. Just, oh, just lump it all together. We're a binge culture. Some people will pay and and an Oscar binge. You know, some people ooh, would do it. You know what's another category that would greatly benefit from this? Best foreign film. Exactly. Oh, we get to see all those foreign films we don't get to see here? Oh, that's great. And that's the other thing, too. Why are they nominated? Because they fucking people got sent that shit for free. So, of course, they got to see it and fucking nominate it. Let me see it, too, and I'll pay you money. I'm not even asking for the shit for free. I'll give you fucking money. Like, as much as they are money-hungry assholes in Hollywood... Why do they make it so fucking difficult for me to give them money? And, and speaking of snubs, I don't know. Sometimes they, they need to not wait. They need to wait later because why the hell is a Godzilla somewhere, man? Is I think it Japanese got nominated film? for best special effects. Oh, it did? Yeah. Okay. Not okay, best form film, though. Should have been there, though. But see, we don't know because we haven't seen the other fucking films because they're not fucking available here. So we don't even know. Yeah, you're right, though. You're right. But how can I say that? How can I even argue it when I haven't seen everything else? And there's no way to see it. Yep. I guess it is time that we move on to our actual topic of the episode. We're only an hour in, guys.
Hey, Cine fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the new movie, Argyle. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around if you so require in both audio and video formats. And with all that, I'll go first. So on this podcast, guys, I've, I've never made it. I've never really hidden the fact that when it comes to matters of spirituality, I'm not a believer in God. You know, I like to think in general, though, I am a good person. And I hope that in the end, when I die, the overall existence and impression that is left by my life is a net positive. That maybe I have made one more positive influence in my life than I did negative ones. And all that being said, is that when a movie like Argyle comes out, all I have to say is, do I need any more proof in this world that there is no God? I knew something a, like that was coming. In a movie like this. <laughs> Fuck, this was the most pointless fucking movie I've ever fucking seen in my life. I brought up the point of having a net positive in this world. This movie came in with having a net I don't give a fuck about anybody that wants to watch my movie at all. Which is really kind of insane because it's a spy thriller. One of my favorite genres. I'm not completely huge yeah. on the action spy thriller. The Bourne movies are fine, but I love those traditional spy thrillers. Oh, you give me a Soviet-era spy thriller? Oh. Oh, just gets me going. My favorite Star Trek film is Star Trek Undiscovered Country, Star Trek VI. Why? Because it is a Soviet-era spy thriller set to Star Trek. Oh, you got double crosses. You got this and that. You got secret agents. You got the big reveals. You got the corrupt governments. Oh, it's fantastic. And then you have this, taking one of my most beloved genres and going, hey, you want to see a single-handedly ruin an entire genre in a single movie? Here you go. The fuck was this movie? This movie was more concerned with just having twist after twist after twist than actually having, I don't know, a good twist at all. Not a single twist in this movie, not a single reveal, not a single aha moment in this movie uh, mattered at all in any way, shape, or form. And there's so many of them, statistically, you think they would fuck up and make a good one by accident. No. No, they still don't do that. 
it's like they intentionally set out to make nothing but bad twists in a movie. All 957 of them. I think this movie averages a twist every 10 seconds. And the movie's like six hours long. So there's so many twists. All of them useless. And it's ultimately astounding too because you have a great cast. You have That's as, the worst part. You have about yeah. as much of a stacked cast as you can get. Catherine O'Hara, Brian Cranston, Henry Cavill, John Cena, Sam Rockwell. Uh, what's her name? I always fuck up her first name and middle name. Bryce right? Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard. I can't ever remember if it's that or Dallas Bryce Howard. But that woman. Um, you have one of the most adorable cats you'll ever see. Samuel Jackson, uh, Dua Lipa. Um, I could keep going. I, I, I'm I'm forgetting people. This cast is so stacked. Ariana DeBose. Yes. The Mummy from Academy Tom- Award winning Ariana DeBose, by the way. <laughs> Which nobody knows because Academy Awards mean nothing anymore. You have so many people. Um, you also have the the woman that played the the, the um the mummy in Tom Cruise's tw- tw- uh, 2017 Mummy. She played the woman with knives for feet in the first Kingsman movie. She played the secret keeper in this movie. Oh yes, okay. I yeah. was like, who was she? Yes, that's right. Yeah, there is so many people in this movie. And it is for nothing. Nothing. I thought that Night Swim would be the biggest waste of time of this year. And it still is. But Argyle tried its damnedest to beat it. Tried its damnedest. Justin, what about you? Wow, I'm just shocked. Just shocked and appalled that you had such an opinion about this movie. Uh, I'm surprised me, I had this much of an opinion for how little they fucking tried. <laughs> I have more of an I opinion about this movie than they did. <laughs> I did appreciate you using your uh, radio guy voice for the first half of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll try to sound soothing before you ripped it apart. And you're not spoiler review, just the calm before the storm, setting everybody up. But I honestly, man, Sterling, I think that we witnessed something historical because I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that thought it was so good Cassidy. And it just wasn't. You almost <laughs> gave me a fucking heart attack. Because the way you were phrasing that, I thought you were almost about to say that we watched a different movie because you loved it. 
That is almost where I thought you were going with that because the way you were pausing. I was hoping. I was hoping. Did you I watch Killers of the Flower Moon again, Justin? Is that what happened here? <laughs> is that, yep. Did I watch the wrong one again? But I, I thought you were about oh. to say that you loved it. And I legitimately, like, I felt my chest start to tighten. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. No, I didn't. But the movie clearly loved itself. I mean, it's so self-indulgent. You're right on that, Justin. It's... So, I mean, I'm not lying. I'm tr- I can't think of the last movie like this where which where I'm watching it and I'm going this movie thinks it's so good. It Night swim. It, it just <laughs> it thinks. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Night swim was similar, but man, this had such an arrogance about how it just thought it was so good and so clever. And so spoofy and so uh, and and so original and it just thought it was nailing everything. And, and we damn near nailed nothing in this movie. And, and I think that's the biggest thing I can say about it. And then, like you said, all these twist after twist after twist. And you could just tell it thought it was so smart and really, all these twists are just twists from other movies and other thing, other spy movies that we've seen. Y- you know, you you've you could take one of those twists normally is in another spy movie, and it's enough because of what we built up to the one twist. This one just said, "Let's just have them all." What is the name? What did we used to call that when you would go to the soda dispenser machine and you would just dispense A every suicide? single? Couldn't have said it any better myself. So that's what wound up happening here. We just, we just grabbed at everything and we killed ourselves. And then the movie has the audacity to end like we about to set up a universe and do some Marvel shit. They're trying to, though. That's the thing. They got prequel series in the works. They've got sequels. They got comic books. They got. Crossmen like crossovers with the Kings, but they got all this shit playing, Justin. I mean, and they acted like this shit was about to go off. Like this movie was just like, I mean, it, it, it was just like the I just that that was the only thing that was amazing about it was just how much it thought that it was good. And I just don't know if I've sat and it's been a while since I've sat in a movie that clearly was just such a pretender, but thought it was a contender. Like it's just, it really is just that thing that this whole movie, the whole vibe was that. And really the sad part is like you said, you have this great, great cast in this movie with all these talented people and but at, but where everybody was positioned just seemed so wrong to me. I felt like there was a better idea. It's weird because the the idea that the movie presented to me that was the imaginary or the created idea felt like a better idea for the movie and who the leads needed to be and who needed to be in it more than the actual story and narrative that I got. So that's sad too, you know? Um, and, and, and I mean, even like, and back to that word pretender, 
even when you look at some of the advertising for this movie, it's deceptive in like how they acted like certain people were going to be main characters. And then you get to the movie and they're not. And it's just. And so for me, all of that just adds up to just a colossal failure. And yes, we essentially committed suicide by grasping at all of these things and then and then arrogantly thinking that we did something good and we just did not, like I said, on almost any level. Oh, you go in a second, Heather. I just thought of one of my perfect Sterling analogies. The twists in this movie had the effectiveness of the flavor of Fruit Stripes gum. Guys, remember (laughs) Fruit Stripes gum? Yes. You take that first bite and it was that burst of flavor and then it was gone in 1.7 seconds. Yep. Yeah. 100%. That's great. That's a great analogy. Yep. Yep. That's all, Heather. I just thought of that and I was like, ooh. It's a sterling perfect food analogy. Gotta, I got to slide it in real quick. What you got, Heather? I mean, yeah, I, I can't disagree. It it really, the way you said that, Jason, like it really thought it had something here. It really did. Like they were so sure. And the thing is, I really did want to like this movie because of the stacked cast, you know, and I was like, this could be fun. It had the potential to be a really fun, clever, silly, amusing movie. And especially, I'm sorry, but like Sam Rockwell might be one of the most charismatic people to ever exist. And you put him in this movie and it's like, he had no, like, where did, what happened? Like, how do you make Sam Rockwell not charismatic? I don't understand how that happened. Like, that's just weird. You know, like, I don't know. I, I was very disappointed in this movie and like, you know what's actually for to me a better version of this movie is that movie The Lost City that came out like a few years ago, maybe last year with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. That's a better version. Movie. Yeah. Better version of this about a book writer who gets lost in an adventure that's very much like the book that she wrote and the villain that is like wanting information based out of the book. Like it's a better version. It's a funnier version. It's a better done version of it. And you have a total of three people in that movie and they did it better than this. And that's just weird. But yeah, I mean, the movie felt like it was going to end about nine times. Like with every They really went, hey, Lord of the Rings, we'll show you how to end a movie 52 (laughs) times. Yeah, (laughs) honestly. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I'm just like, how can you have so much going on in your movie, but actually nothing going on in your movie? It's quite a, quite an accomplishment, really. Like, I don't know how they did that, but it, I don't know. And, and I agree. Like, they make you think a few people are going to be main characters. Like, and this isn't too much of a spoiler. They sure make it seem like Dua Lipa is a big character in this movie. She's, I mean. They put her got, name on the fucking poster yeah she's Big front and center she like she's supposed to be a bond girl or in something in this movie for 42 seconds yeah i know 
And like the thing is, she wasn't like I've never seen her in an acting performance before this. She, it's not like she was bad, but I mean, she was in it for yeah, a an entire minute of screen time. Like I don't understand. Like yeah, and then of course you know we Henry Cavill is sort of a main character, but sort of not. Like you, st- I feel I thought he was going to be in it more than he was, or utilized in a better way than he was utilized in this movie. But yeah, I mean. They have a whole bunch of stuff going on. Like, I think if there's anything that was potentially the better part of it, like, I don't think that Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard had bad chemistry. I think it could have been better in a better movie. Like, if they had been written better as characters in a better movie, that would have been some great chemistry, I think. You know, like, that was probably one of the better parts of the film. Um, Yeah, I mean... They just, it's, yeah, it's almost like they, they had like 16 versions of a script that they wanted to write or like 16, like half finished scripts (laughs) and put them all together as one script for this movie. I think what you're talking about, Heather, is that they had all these scripts and then they threw them all into a fan. (laughs) Yeah. And then just however these scripts landed afterwards. Yeah. They just took that and went. Script done. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, they're going to love it. It's going to be great. Yeah. And they, they honestly, it's, it's not even just the fact that they thought they had something with this movie. They also just thought, Oh, because we're throwing all these great people in it. You're not going to care that it's not a good movie, which is the big problem that happens when you get a stacked cast. Like how many times have we seen that, especially with like comedy, more lighthearted movies, you got a stacked cast of people and it ends up being a really bad movie most of the time. Like, you know what I mean? It just doesn't usually work. And it, I, I wanted this to be different because I was like, it has potential. And they just, yeah, they just did way more. Like they were trying to do way too much with this movie. And, you know, I mean, there were some scenes in it that were somewhat amusing. There were some action scenes that were okay. Nothing mind blowing. Nothing crazy, like awesome, you know, and a lot of just, yeah, because of how many different like twists or like aha moments that they try to put in there, I was, I had a confused look most of the time. I was just like, okay, why are we introducing this now? Like, (laughs) I don't understand. So it, it was just a lot of, a lot of things happening that weren't saying anything. And they, they just really wanted you to care more about what was going on with the story than you really needed to care. So um, I really don't like the way, like I said, how they u- utilize Henry Cavill in this movie and his character. I'm not really a big fan of how they do it. Like I kind of get what they were going for with it, but I think the execution of how they do it was misleading and kind of weird. Um it's it's so, that bullshit. They did that intentionally too. Mm, it's like, oh man, yeah. look how much Henry Cavill is going to be in this movie. Yeah, all eight minutes <laughs> of a six-hour movie. <laughs> yeah, it it did feel longer for sure, but which is just crazy because you feel like technically it feels like you're watching four different movies so why does it feel so long and the fact that the first ending comes two hours in and you've got another four hours left it's bullshit (laughs) yeah i mean it's 
Yeah, I just I wanted to like it more. And it's definitely not a movie that warrants, you know, prequels and sequels and a universe. Definitely not. Like the ending part, the kind of, you know, little throw in thing that they do there to tie it into other movies uh, was dumb. Like (laughs) it, it, it meant nothing. It was nothing. And I just didn't care at all. Like I was like, all right. You just want people to care about this movie more and you think this is going to do it. Like, I don't know. It just didn't work. I don't know. But um, so, no, I I was not a fan of this movie. Disappointed because I did want to like this movie. It uh, thought more of itself than anybody else thought about it. So um, it's going to be a a no on my end. Recommendations and scores. I guess. Yep. Recommendations and score. I mean, we really don't need the recommendation part for this section, do we? Maybe just it's the scores. I don't, I mean, it's Basically. tradition is it's recommendations and scores. Heather, continue as to why it's a no for you. <laughs> it's a no for me because it's not a coherent story. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, it's trying too hard to be a smart and clever movie, but it's not pulling it off. Like it, it just isn't, it's not the kind of like what you said, Sterling about like, you know, the, the, the spy thriller type of thing. Like I, I'm a fan of that too. And they, they just don't do it the right way at all. So it's it does have great actors in it, but I wouldn't say there's any great performances in it, um, which is unfortunate to say. But I think there are some people that stand out more than others. I think a lot of people are underutilized in the film and it just needed to be more concise and like a tighter through line for what the story was trying to do. And... I don't know. I I just, I don't really like any of the reveals. And like Sterling said too, like I'm not big on many of the twists they did. And it felt very long because you just feel like they weren't getting to the point of really anything that they were trying to say or do with this movie. So that's why it's a no for me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I have. I'm not even going to say, but you might like it if like, I'm not going to really put that on there on this one, (laughs) but uh, I mean, yeah, again, there were some slightly amusing moments and performances in it, but nothing to write home about. So I'm going to give it, what am I going to give it? Mm, I'll give it 30 um, Sam Rockwell dancing as he does in every movie out of 100. Justin, what about you? Nah, son. Um, we've all said it. It's just, it's overly long. Why was this? For what they did in this, I don't understand at all why this was two hours and 20 minutes. I just... I can't for the life of me understand why this needed to be that long, but I could, but, but I can tell by the arrogance that I felt with what 
this with what the directors and the writers and the storytellers were doing with this, it felt like it needed to be that long because it's this epic launching point and we're going to be doing all of this badass shit. That's what they think. But I don't know, man. It didn't do that well at the box office. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what might happen with all of that. But man, this movie just felt, I mean, it just really thought it was the shit, man. And it's almost laughable how much it fails at everything. The laughs, I mean, I may have thought a few of the jokes landed. Tonally, it's all over the place. It didn't know. It's interesting that you called it a spy thriller because... That's what I thought I was watching the first half, but then it felt like I was watching a spy comedy. Then it felt like I was just, and then I felt like at the end, then suddenly we just started bullshitting. Like the first act was spy thriller. The second act was a spy comedy. Then the third act is bull is you just bullshitting. And that's how I feel about the movie. Like that's really what I feel like they did. So Nah, man, it's it's a mess, man. And it's a hot one, boy, the hottest one. Like, I'm talking 99.9 degrees of a hot mess. And it's unfortunate because I like a lot of these people. I like a lot of these actors and actresses. And really, this should have been better. Um, this is a perfect example of a movie that should have picked a lane and a tone and what it wanted to be and just stuck with that instead of thinking, being arrogant enough to think I can do it all. And this is kind of what you get. Um, so yeah, we'll go with 27. I was a great ice skater. So that means I can skate on oil out of a hundred. A couple of things. Dua Lipa was also in the Barbie movie. She was one of the Barbies. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Um, The actress I was trying to think of, uh, her name is Sophia uh, Botella. Yeah. Um, I like her and stuff, you know. Um, You know, this movie had the narrative cohesion of me playing, you know, Mad Libs with my cats. And I I agree with you, Justin. Like, what kind of spy movie was this? Like, because how does this movie come out and make Spy Hard, Leslie Nielsen's Spy Hard, look like Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol? <laughs> yep. Yep. Because, you know, I love Spy Hard because I've got a soft spot for Leslie Nielsen. But, I mean, it's not a great movie. But fuck, that's a better spy movie than this one. It at least knew what it had a sense of identity. The fuck was this movie? We talked about how the Academy that's Awards have no identity. What the fuck was this movie doing? Maybe this should be in the Academy Awards for that reason. <laughs> it, it might be. Who knows? I just I, I don't know what the fuck they were doing. I've seen some Matthew Vaughn movies. This is the same man that did uh, Kingsman. This is the same man that did X-Men First Class. 
What the fuck was this? This is the same man that did Layer Cake. What the fuck was this movie? Oh, yeah, and Stardust. I, I didn't watch Stardust. Oh, okay. I thought maybe that's something you would have seen. That was with Robert De Niro as a fantasy pirate, right? Yeah. I know of it. I didn't fucking watch it. I don't know. Was it good? Did you see it? I'm trying to remember. Did I see that? It's, you know, it's about Claire Danes being a falling star that... Uh, falls in love with this guy and he gets wishes and stuff like that. I something like that. It was it was okay from what I remember of it. Yeah. Don't remember I much about I it. Did, I think I did see. I know that. it came and out. I don't remember it being bad. I, I don't remember. I, don't, I remember liking it. I know it came out around the same time as Golden Compass. And and Golden Compass, I have a weird adversarial relationship with, and I think that's why I remember it more than this is because. I've tried no less than 52 times to watch Golden Compass from beginning to end, and I've never done it. I have fallen asleep at any given point in that movie every single fucking time I've tried to watch it. Now, I've probably seen the whole movie at this point because I fell asleep at different times. So I might be able to like cobble together a whole movie out of it, but that movie's bested me every single fucking time. Never been able to watch it completely. And that might be why I saw it so many times and never Stardust. Because I was bound and determined to beat it. And I just never could. Yeah, I think that's just that movie you're destined never to watch from beginning to end. And I'm scared for you because I feel like the day that you decide, okay, you know what? Today is the day I'm going to do it. And you'll get all the way to the final scene and you will probably just drop dead. It's just that's the thing that might be the movie that kills me or the second I do that like I finally watch it and I'm like gripping the edge of my seat and I'm like and then the credits start and I just die because I finally did it now there's no there's no other point to my life I die you've lived your life that's it it's over I finally finally (laughs) overcome my biggest obstacle and died I'd also like to our guy was trying to be that oh Oh, it tried to put me, it tried so hard to put me to sleep. Oh, so many times. What were you saying? I, also, I just also want to throw out there that the guy who wrote this movie was the guy who also wrote Wonder Woman. So I'm confused. Which Wonder I don't Woman? Know. The original, the first one. Oh, because if he had told me he had wrote Wonder Woman 1984, I'd say that tracks. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> nope. It was uh, the first Wonder Woman. Yeah. Wow. What else does this fucking guy write? Let's Not see. a lot what of stuff, happened? but. What happened? <laughs> oh, he also wrote Pan. It's their fall from grace. I did see Pan. Right? This is the Pan I'm thinking of? Yeah, the Hugh Jackman one. I've seen this Pan. Okay. I wish I hadn't seen that Pan. Okay. So not good. No, oh, God, no. See, I mean, you know, the first Wonder Woman's a good movie. It's a very good movie. And I like the story of it. But what happened? I don't know what happened. Oh, both him and Matthew Vaughn have their heads up their own asses is what happened. <laughs> they yeah. both had their fall from grace, essentially. In the same movie. I mean, their their heads are just so far up their own asses. 
and they're eating their own shit so much that they just don't know what's real anymore. <laughs> they're human centipeding themselves. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and I'm glad you brought up that oil fight scene. We're going to talk about that for a second. Or in a second, mm-hmm. I should say. Black gold. Texas tea. I'll give it an 11. Justin, why did you act like that was too low for this movie? What the fuck did this movie do to deserve more than 11 from me? <laughs> I'm surprised. I thought it'd be lower. I was thinking five or six from you. I like the I, a generous. Score. I liked generous. looking at the cast. They are aesthetically okay. pleasing people. And like I said, yeah, they are. Yeah. Every one of them. Yeah. And and like I said, adorable fucking cat. It gets 10 points from that cat alone. The other point is everybody else. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone else combined, but the cat and it was a cute cat. I agree. Yeah. Damn. I I forgot. I forgot the minus for the CGI because boy, the CGI burned So. What the fuck were they doing to Bryce Dallas Howard's face when they're doing those dance scenes? And they put it, she's in that fucking mask and they're just putting the camera right on her. Why the fuck did she look like she was slightly made of clay? She is a beautiful woman. Why the fuck did they do that to her? That's just rude. Sam Rockwell, attractive man. Why the fuck did they make him look like he is from a print ad from 1954 in those scenes too? They did not look like actual human beings. It's disrespectful is what it is to me and them. They made me watch it. Don't get me started on Henry Cavill's haircut. I'm sorry. I can't. Yeah. How do you make him look bad? How do you make Henry Cavill look bad? You brought up the worst in every person we love in this movie. How do you do that? How do you make him? Oh, my God. What happened? No shade. I'm sorry if anybody likes that haircut. I just couldn't do it. No one (laughs) fucking likes that haircut. No, no, no. It was a choice, that is for sure. I mean, and I know that, like, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's, I think it's supposed to be a similar cut to, like, how Sam Rockwell has his hair in the movie. But it works for him. I don't know what happened there. Oh, God. Uh, Cinema scores, or the Cine score is a uh, 23. It sounds right. (laughs) No, it doesn't. There's I have there there's like positive memories with the number twenty three. I was about to say, why did it have to be Jordan's number? Because you didn't knock off points for the CGI, Justin. Yeah, you're right. Oh God, the CGI. Spoilers. Yes. Yeah. Spoilers. What in the transporter ripoff blue hell was the? Fuck that ice skating oil fight scene. A, 
you ripped off the transporter. The fucking transporter. And did a worse job. Also, back to the CGI, why the fuck did she look like that in that scene too? Yeah, man, it looked like the PlayStation 3. I don't know what I, dude, it was, It looked bad, bro. Every like, single time they did CGI, it had a hint of rubber to everything. Yeah. Why did they, why did they look at that fight scene in front of the lights from Blade 2 and go, that's what we're looking for. Like my biggest complaint with the movie Blade 2 and they went, no, no, no. They're like, oh, the rest of the movie? No, no, no. Just that one scene. Oh, the scene where everybody looks like they are a rubber toy from 1957? Yeah. That one. It's fucking bad. It's just, it's just, it just looks so cheap. Like when you buy those cheap ass paper towels that don't absorb shit. Like it just, it just, it just where the paper so- towel has a silicone coating on it. So it just, it just <laughs> smears the liquid everywhere. It yes. absorbs not a damn thing. Yes. It was just so cheap. Like and I mean, that 7-Eleven brand man. paper towel. Yeah, man. Have you ever tried Those to get a state out of that? I can't believe it's a, it should be a crime. Those people should be brought upon with charges. For selling it because it doesn't clean up shit. It should be illegal to call them paper towels because I think you have to actually be made of paper to be called the paper towel. <laughs> exactly like, like, and that's what this felt like. It was just, it just looked like no money was spent on it. And I'm just so this so- movie is essentially the Seven Eleven paper towels of movies. <laughs> and weirdly enough. It's like they watched Henry Cavill's face in those scenes where they had to CGI out his mustache from the Justice League. And they went, (laughs) that's about as high quality as we need to get. I mean, it was just, I felt bad for it. I was like, oh, poor baby. That doesn't look like oil. Oh, they looked like, speaking of babies, they looked like the babies from The Flash. Are you talking about the most cinematic movie of all time? No, no, no. The pre that, that, that's the sequel to it because the the most cinematic scene is the Flash from the Justice League, not the Flash. I know from that the baby Flash scene movie. was pretty cinematic. It could have been in that one. You know, it's it's cinematic in the regards of it was filmed and shown in cinemas <laughs> and reviewed on a Cinema Slayers podcast. That's about as cinema as that shit gets. But, like, they I all mean, look like I, McDonald's toys. I mean, they just, they did. And I just, I wanted to give them money. I wanted to see if I could donate. I just felt sorry for the CGI, man. It was bad. Were you, what, did you did you go it home after bad. you watched this movie and see if there was a GoFundMe to fix the CGI? Yeah. I felt bad. I almost cried for it. Like, 
I just didn't understand why it looked so bad. Justin, I didn't. Have you seen any of the clips of like them comparing Mortal Kombat 1 from like the PlayStation 5 and the Nintendo Switch? Oh, God, yes. Why should this movie look like it was made for the Nintendo Switch? <laughs> yeah, it it's 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 sad. This is this is the year of our Lord 2024. And they went, hey, what style of CGI do you want? I, I could just see them being in that room with those CGI guys. And they're like, all right, what kind of style do you want? And they went, 1998. And they go, what do you mean, 1998? What does that mean? That, no, like, like, are you trying to go for this? No, like, no, no, no. Use the technology we had available in 1998. Make this shit look like virtuosity. Make this oh. shit look like Lawnmower Man. Make this shit look like Star Fox, Star Fox 64, but a little worse. I mean, just anytime there was a green screen, you could just tell. Anytime there was just, I mean, you just knew people weren't there. You knew what you were watching in motion was not people. It was just clear. It was just abundantly clear every time they did it. And it also just speaks to the arrogance of this because how did you how did everybody watch that all these people that you told me wrote directed and did the special effects for this for what i understand they all have eyes and can see how did they not see well that's the rumor justin i mean to be fair that's just speculation we cannot completely confirm nor deny that they actually have eyeballs I guess you're right because I mean, I just, I didn't understand you paid for all these people to be on this and you gave Henry Cavill and John Cena two and three minutes of screen time, man, you might as well have just not had them in it and save that money and put it towards the CGI. Cause man, it needed it, bro. The CGI suffered, you know, for the for the sake of this cast, it had to have. It, 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 I I really liked your the theme of your critique of this movie, Justin, of the arrogance of it all. Because like, you could tell, especially with that oil fight scene, that they saw the transporter, and then they did a mountain of cocaine just about all the cocaine that a human being could possibly do in a lifetime. And then went, I bet we could do it better. And then they wrote out that scene and they were like, man, people will watch this scene and go transporter who? And they went and they filmed it and they were like, man, we are about to change lives with our ripoff of another movie from 10 years before now. If not, oh, and, Oh, that might be even older. I'm trying to think of when the fuck transporter was made now. But still, like Man. they just they you could tell they thought they thought that their ripoff was something special. And what really and the reason why you can tell it's arrogant is for how long the scene lasted. Sometimes you can tell how 
that when 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 they're like, okay, we're gonna try this, but we're not gonna let this scene overstay its welcome. We're just gonna have her. She's gonna she's gonna Hold slip on. and slide around. Hold on. Merc a few people, and we're gonna get out and Justin. go to something else. This shit, Justin, hold that on. Wait, shit lasted wait, wait, wait. so damn long. Before you finish, hold on. Your your mind has to be hurt a little bit before you finish that statement. The transporter was made twenty two fucking years ago. Oh my god! It was twenty two fucking years ago, and this movie did it worse. Wow! Now finish your thought. Now have that in your brain. The, this movie looks worse than a movie twenty two years ago doing the same fucking thing. And now finish your thought. I want that nugget in your brain while you do it. Well, again, with just the arrogance, why was it so long? Why did it last so long? If that's how shitty it was going to look. And you saw that. I just, I would have just immediately been like, okay, this scene has to be shorter. I don't think I would have been like, nope, let's put all of it in there. The, the whole Two and a half, three minutes that that was filmed. It's all staying in, all of it. We're not cutting anything because I because this is so badass. This is awesome. They're gonna love seeing this horrible CGI looking shit. And, and well, I, I mean, just feel same like thing with the one with her and Sam Rockwell. Like that yeah. scene right before it was way too long. Way too long. Yeah, with all the colors and the smoke, and you couldn't see shit. Could you see anything? Because I couldn't. It's it was just a bunch of fucking colors, and also that's a rip off of another Matthew Vaughn movie with uh, Kingsman when Eggsy's running down the tunnel and everybody's brains are exploding in Technicolor and shit. It's a rip off of that. Yep. This man rips off his own movies and still sucks at it. Yeah, and he loves to do the fight scenes to, like, upbeat music. He likes the contrast of, like, the, the fight scenes to upbeat shit. Because he did some of that in Kick-Ass, too, didn't he? Yeah, but oh, but the, the best example this man's ever done of that, though, is the fight in the church in Kingsman to, to Freebird. Yeah, yeah. That, so, is, that is one of my favorite fights in movies. Like, yeah. So he likes to do that a lot. That's kind of like a style that he likes. But in this, it just, like, all of those scenes are way too long. And even the stuff at the beginning where she was watching Sam Rockwell fight, and then suddenly it would be Henry Cavill, the first few times you're like, okay, why did that continue on? Yeah, but when it does it for the 127th minutes. time, you're just like, we get it. Yes, okay, we get it. And then when you get to the plot twist and shit, then that doesn't make any sense because why the hell is she seeing him as Argyle when she's Argyle? Or is she Argyle? I don't know because the other plot twist said that it might be all made up. And there might actually be another Argyle. I don't know. <laughs> but, but even like, those scenes, you shot them for so damn long, knowing that you were going to have a twist later and none of that shit was going to make any sense. Later. None of it. 
And then, then they have the fight at the end. When it's Sam Rockwell and her fighting. Why was that fight so long? And and that's why it feels so self-indulgent because it just felt like somebody who just, it's that person who just keeps freaking talking when they should shut up. It's that, it, you know, it's just, I just, somebody needed to be there to grab him and go, stop filming, stop. <laughs> just stop, please. This, this movie is me when I go on a fucking tangent. But the problem is, is I'm self-aware to know that's a bad thing. True. This would be like you going on a tangent, but you thinking, man, I'm making this. I am. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to go another hour. I'm on a roll right now. And you and Heather in the call, you guys leave and I'm just still going. Yes, that's what it is. It's like that. Just this. Just a, just a big delusion. Like, I really feel like somebody should have been there to, to tell him to, to, to tell the director to have some self-control. Just, I just feel like somebody should have been there. I just don't think anybody was there. The person who, so who he assigned to do that was not there that day. They called in sick. I don't know what happened, but they weren't there. And this man just thought everything was gold. And you could just tell by how it was filmed, man. You could just tell. I mean, and there's so many twists. Like, oh, spies are real. You're actually Argyle. Well, it's not even that. It's spies are real. Your parents aren't real. You're actually Argyle. You're actually a bad guy. You're actually not a bad guy. You actually know you shot this guy, but you didn't sh- like you didn't kill him. But now you remember everything and now you're trying to do the right thing. But now you're actually a bad guy again. But the person that you thought died at the beginning of the movie didn't die at the beginning of the movie. She got shot the same way that you shot this other guy. And she's the one that sent the email. And you're now not a bad guy anymore. And then it, then it keeps going with, and apparently the person in your head, strictly in your head, was your physical basis for Argyle, is actually a real person, but he also knows he is the physical basis for Argyle in your head, because how the fuck else would anybody know that? Because Argyle to everybody else is a little fucking drawing. How would he know he's Argyle? That makes no sense. The only person that can know he is the physical manifestation of Argyle is her and apparently him. But then also he knows it so much that he's like, I bet you got some questions. (laughs) And then also Argyle's a part of the Kingsman. Also, let's throw that in too. And I at least forgot at least eight twists. Yeah. The fact that her parents were not really her parents and they were bad. And then the shot, the the shot. Did you say that one? I thought you were talking about uh, 
Bryce Dallas Howard. But I was just saying, I was just listing that. twists. Oh yeah, yeah. And then like <laughs> the I'm I'm dead, but I'm not dead. And then like oh, I, I forgot about this. I completely <laughs> forgot about the Secret Keeper. Yeah, yeah. The twist was the twist that you thought of something, but you actually had done it in your past, but you didn't actually have it because of the burn. Like that was actually the one clever joke in this movie when she's like, Oh, do you still have the burner phone? Cause it might have a chip that might lead to this. And he's like, no, I tossed it. It's a burner phone. That actually kind of made me chuckle. That was the one thing I was like, that tracks because of course a writer is going to be like, Oh, well you, you could do this and this and this and this and think of all these things. And he's like, it's a fucking burner phone. You burn it. Like, yeah, that tracks like that actually was one of the few times where I was like, Oh, I like that dichotomy of writer, not understanding this, like knowing the spy world, but not practically understanding spy world. But then that's ruined by later twists. Cause it's like, no, she's the spy. So they ruined the one good joke. I liked. Fuck this movie. And also, like, it's book four. She's on book four at this point. Like, all right, have you guys ever been to a book reading? Like, with an author? Nope. Because mm-hmm. why does this movie act like they read either the entire book or just the end? Because both times you see her doing a book reading in this movie, she's reading the end of the book. So the only two things you can infer from that is she has been standing there for hours just reading the entire book to this crowd. Or she starts at the last chapter and just reads that to all these people that haven't read her book. Which, in what universe does either one of those make any fucking sense? All right, Heather, what are your thoughts? What are some more of your thoughts? (laughs) I mean, the whole thing about Argyle is actually just in her head and she is, but not in her head. She is Argyle, but she thinks it's in her head. That whole thing. That was like a layer of weird that you just didn't really need. But like I, because they're also misleading about it and confusing with how they sort of try to reveal that. When, um, you know, when she's seeing Sam Rockwell and then she's closing her eyes back and forth and then she's seeing Argyle and all these things like um, I don't even remember Sam Rockwell's character's name, whoever he was. But um, but yeah, like, you know, she's going back. Aiden. Yes, it was Aiden. You're right. I'm mad that I remember that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like it, it just kind of almost made it seem like is she seeing him because like she's realizing that oh like he's actually the type of you know guy that I would want this to be about or like I I didn't know what they were trying to do with it because it's it seems like she was it was almost like is she falling for him because she's thinking of him as the person that she's written or you know like it's just they're not clear and then I got it they just yeah no I I can tell you exactly what they were doing they did a piss poor job of it but I know what they were doing Mm-hmm. So that scene is supposed to be her, like I said, realizing that the, the spy world that she's been writing about is real. 
So in her head, the first thing she's doing in her head, rationalizing this, that all these things she's written about is real, is it's her mind is like superimposing her character on to Sam Rockwell because her mm-hmm. knowledge of the spy world is based around her character. So it's like she's trying to fuse what she knows with what she's just finding out. So it's like her mind yeah. is like okay. superimposing the the Argyle character onto Sam Rockwell because it's like she's mm-hmm. it's like she, her mind is trying to like combine what she's written with what's happening. So it's like Sam Rockwell's doing this, but if it was Argyle, he would have been doing this. It's that type of mental thing. Okay. Which is just made dumb by the fact that then Argyle's talking to her. Mm -hmm. Then she is Argyle and and so on and so like it's it's one of those things where that's why it doesn't work. And that's why you're confused by it, Heather, because the movie does that thing three different times for three different reasons for three different points. Yeah, pretty much. Like I and, and and that's why like I get it. Like why you're confused. I got it just because I think maybe I was more checked out than you were. So I wasn't trying. Because like I so I I was mentally on the same level as the movie. It wasn't trying. I wasn't trying. So we just synced up. Like you're, you're, you were doing the thing you're supposed to do. You were, you were investing in the movie. You were trying, you you were trying. And since the movie wasn't, you just wavelengths didn't line up. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that on top of, yeah, they just, they just didn't execute it as well as they thought they did to make that very clear and obvious, you know, like that's, that's just what it was. And, and it makes complete sense the way you're saying it. That makes absolute sense is that that's what they're doing. But the fact that like, you're trying to figure out what this movie's doing in general and you're just like, okay, so what is this now? And then because they also followed it up so quickly with like, she's seeing it in the scenes going on around her, but then immediately like goes to the bathroom and is talking to Argyle in the mirror. So you're almost just like, yeah, what, what are you doing with this? What is this supposed to be? You know, like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't think they did that part very well at all. Um, You know what would actually make those scenes work? If earlier in the movie, when she's sitting there doing that montage of writing, Mm -hmm. if you see her like look in a mirror and see Argyle, or see her that, have conversations uh, yeah. with Argyle. And it's like, but like have her be like, how am I supposed to end this chapter? And Argyle talks back to her. You know what I mean? Like it was a part of her process. Yeah. That would, that would have been a good addition. That's how you make those scenes work later. Make yeah, it a part of that her would character. have made it better. Because then yep. it's, then it's like, oh no, that was never her. Like coming up with these ideas and talking to her character and doing those things. It was her self talking to herself. Yeah, that would have set the the stage for it. It's her spy personality that existed deep inside her telling her what already happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, 
and that was the thing too. Like I, I didn't really like the reveal that she was Argyle or whatever. What was her name? Something Kyle. It was Rachel Kyle. So it was R yeah, Kyle. R Kyle. Yeah. R Kyle. Just, <laughs> also, why couldn't she just be Lisa Argyle? Come on. Yeah. It's like, you just, you can still yeah. keep it as Argyle. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's bad writing guys. That's, that's just, not clever. R Kyle Argyle. Fuck right off. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was a weird reveal and I didn't like it. <laughs> just the, I just think that the reveal should have been something better um, or something that like somebody unexpected is Argyle or something that's funny that would actually add to the humor of the movie. Something like that. But then a, they just a fan do that. theory before this movie came out, one of the prevailing theories was Daniel Craig was Argyle. That would have been really funny, to be honest. I would have been okay with that very much. Or know. just Ryan Reynolds just cameoing everything these days. Just let him be him. Like that would have been funny too. Like he's just in everything. So at this point, the better twist would have been that the fucking cat was Argyle. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the fact that she named the cat Alfie right after Samuel L. Jackson's character. Give me a fucking break movie. Uh, Yeah. It it just was a weird, the whole thing was just very strange and like, and then it just, what really annoyed me was the insane back and forth of like, um, you know, our Kyle trying to, you know, try to decide if she's good or bad or making you decide if she's good or bad. And then, you know, she does the fake out shooting Sam Rockwell and then, you know, does the whole bit of it all. And then uh, she's actually good and she helps him escape and they try to defeat everyone together. And then at the end, at the sound of a music box, she's, you know, transformed and transported back into being against Sam Rockwell. What in the Winter Soldier was that bullshit? Yeah. yeah. Like the weird brainwash, like <laughs> hypnosis because you hear this. And also like. It was that in a catchphrase, which is that's the spy thing. That's the Manchurian candidate yeah. thing. That's the it's mm-hmm. the it's the trigger and the words. And, it, it you know, it's the combination of everything. But it's like we've seen everything in this fucking movie. Not a single thing in this movie was original. Even all the cat shit. Guess what? We all saw that in fucking Keanu with Key and Peele. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it, it was just like at that point too, when she turns back because she, you know, here's the trigger word and she's again like, oh, okay, now I'm against him. And I'm just like, all right. Like, how many times are we going to do this in this movie? And each of the scenes lasts 500 years. And then also, once again, like I said, what in the Winter Soldier, like that whole fight where it, it, like how much of that was the Cap Iron Man fight again? Like, oh, I'm going to fight you, but uh, you're not going to fight, or you're going to fight me, but I'm not going to fight you because I love you. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to do just enough that you don't kill me, but. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. Oh, and by the way. (laughs) The person that we've telegraphed the entire movie is not dead is not dead. Oh, what a great twist. That, and literally that was the next thing I was going to say is like, <laughs> did anybody else call from opening scene that Ariana DeBose was going to be in this movie at the end of it? 
I mean, because I didn't, you could even tell from the trailer that that was going to be a thing. I didn't call it from opening scene because I didn't remember that she's a big actress. <laughs> no. So that's, on, <laughs> but, but that's on me. But also the second it went, oh, well, we didn't make you, or they didn't make you forget about her because she was dead. I was like, oh, she's not dead. The second yeah. they did that scene, I was like, oh, she's not dead. They ain't fooling nobody. Yeah, it's it, that. No, but it, but it was just more the fact of like, and that's what I hate to. And I know, you know, the people who make trailers just do what they do. But you literally see the scene with Ariana DeBose riding off, driving the boat in the trailer. <laughs> like, it's in the trailer. Like, I'm like, see, either it's a cut scene or she's coming back at the end of this movie. And that's like, one of those things, too, where it's like, oh, if you know, like, who she is as an actress, I guess that sticks with you more. Because to me, yeah. it's just scene of people in boat. So I've done. It doesn't even click with that. But yeah, yeah no, fair but, enough. but yeah, but I totally get. They're playing on you knowing she's the big actress. Mm-hmm. It's my fault. I don't know it. So they're <laughs> playing to you, Heather. Mm-hmm. Her being cast in this movie is playing to you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, then the trailer ruins it. Yeah. But also her dying in the first scene or your first like 30 seconds in the movie is also for you, Heather. So it's like you're going. Right. Oh, the Academy Award winning actress obviously isn't <laughs> dead. You know what I mean? Right. You're doing yeah. that. Yeah. You know, so like. Yeah. It, but once it's, again, it's the arrogance. Like Justin said, yeah. it's the arrogance. Oh, you're not going to catch that twist. Even though every mm-hmm. single twist we've done in this movie is a mile away. Like, it's it's like they really went. Every time they started the twist, like they were like, a, you know, the, the first scene that was setting up the next twist. It's like they paused the movie to go, hey, guys, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. A twist mm-hmm. is coming. <laughs> like they're fucking Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell when they paused the shit. Yeah. Time out. Here's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and that's, yeah. And, and that's, a, that's fair, but I, I just, and also like, I actually think that a Henry Cavill, John Cena, like partnership in a movie would be actually pretty cool to see. Like, I think that could be really fun. I no longer ever but, want to see that again. <laughs> this movie makes you think that that is not a good idea when, you know, if you think about it outside this movie, I'm like, I'd watch that movie. I'm going to have flashbacks to this movie and it's going to ruin whatever they do. (laughs) It's yeah, it's, it's odd, but I, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think, I mean, and Samuel L. Jackson just does Samuel L. Jackson. Like he was fine, you know, but it's just, he was the least offensive thing in this movie. Probably my favorite thing in this movie is him just sitting there watching a Lakers game. I'm like, I get that. I'd rather be doing that right now too. I think the only thing that would have made that better for you is if the cat was with him. Yeah. While if he's he petting the it. cat, watching the Lakers <laughs> yeah. game, I'm like, I get it. That's what life. I'd rather be doing right now too, Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. It just, they, they really tried to make this something that you're on the edge of your seat about the entire time. And they just don't do that. There was nothing about this that was surprising or, anything like have you ever watched a movie that made like that was supposed to make you at the edge of your seat and it just make you completely recline the nun too yeah Mm -hmm. fair (laughs) but yes (laughs) 
<laughs> Definitely. <laughs> you know, it just, I, I don't know. It, it, that is kind of, yeah, that. Because you're like, you're just doing a bunch of things thinking that this is going to mean something. But you don't know what this means. <laughs> like, you don't know what you're about, movie, you know? Oh, if I was at home watching this movie, like in bed watching this movie, I would have completely, like a third of the way through, just said, eh, and, and intentionally gone to sleep. I would, have, I would yeah. have pulled the blanket up all cozy, turned to my side and gone to sleep. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, and the thing is, I, I liked the choice of casting, uh, Catherine O'Hara as uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's mom. I thought that was a really good choice. And at first I was like, okay, that, you know what? That might be the next best dynamic that I liked in the movie before she was, you know, evil Catherine O'Hara, but you know, that could have been a good dynamic and they, they could have done something more with that as well, but they didn't. And they, I don't know. I just, it was a waste of Catherine O'Hara. It was a waste of Brian Cranston Waste of John Cena, just a whole bunch of wasting of really great talent that you have in your movie. And I'm just wondering, did they all think that this was going to be a different movie? <laughs> like they all just agreed to this movie. So, so I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's the, and the thing is, the sad thing is there's not even a lot as much as they have all these twists and all these things happening, it feels like there's not even really much to spoil about this movie because it's not about anything. Like it's really spoils all its own twists anyway. Like, yeah. Cause it, cause half of them don't matter. And yeah, the whole thing in the end about Henry Cavill, whoever the dude was in the book reading, that's like, Hey, do you have questions for me? And you're just like, what is this now? Like, why did we need this? We didn't. We didn't need that. There's no point in it. <laughs> like, just to be like, oh, more mystery that it wasn't actually me, um, you know, just not remembering my memories and me just thinking of a person and a character that is the character of all the books I write. It's actually just an actual other complete person at this point, at the very end of the movie. And he what? also <laughs> knew that she had forgot her memories and forgot about him. How the fuck does he know all this? Right. Like, who is this guy? Is he also, also like... Why did they give him another shitty haircut? What, what did they have against that man's yeah. hair? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and then again, the whole... The very last thing when it's like, you know, the the King's Man bar that he went to or whatever when he was younger. And, like, they actually expect you to care about, you know, Grandpa Argyle or whoever he is. And like, why? And it's also the feel of that movie or the setup of that movie that they would do feels very different than this movie. So why put it here? Like, I don't, I don't know. It's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff going on that you're just like, I don't, I don't get it. I just, I wasn't, not that I wasn't tracking what was happening, but it was just like, I wasn't caring to follow the story all the way through because they switched up with this, what story they were trying to tell, you know? See, and I, I think that's a good point, Heather, because you obviously checked out of the movie later than I did. And that's why the, the one thing that slightly confused you confused you. I just happened to check out way earlier than you did. I checked out apparently about eight minutes into this movie. <laughs> 
Yeah. And so, like I said, it just synced my wavelength with this movie. Because if you, if you try or care, this movie just fucking hits you in the face because it hates you. Yeah. Justin, what about you? Yeah, y'all, I mean, there's not too much more to be said, but it, it, it's just like, just to talk about more waste of people and casting and characters. But yeah, Brian Cranston, what, why was he even in this if all you needed was just a generic ass spy villain to shout orders at people? And yell, and what what was the point of him being in this? Like, I really don't understand. He was just such a generic spy villain. And it was almost like, it almost just kind of speaks to like the mixed bag that this movie was where sometimes it wanted to be a spoof of a spy thriller. But it felt like it wasn't doing it in a clever way. It felt like it was doing it in a way to be lazy. Like, well, we don't have to develop a villain here because he's just a spoof of other villains. Ha ha, I get it. So we don't have to spend any time developing a character. Oh, look, we're going to have all these, all this, this crazy fight scene where they're going to be you know, doing all, there's going to be all these bright colors and they're throwing smoke bombs and dancing at the same time and stuff like that. And it was like the movie just wanted to do whatever it wanted and not have to worry about developing things, having a cohesive narrative or doing things that just simply make sense scene to scene. I mean, it was almost as if like forget the fan and throwing up a bunch of pages. It almost just felt like this was being written as it was being filmed, like in real time, like they were just adding pages (laughs) as it was being filmed. And a page was just added to a stack as we were filming to get to it. It felt like that's what it felt like. It felt like some improv shit. When you have a bunch of people at a round table And somebody starts a story and goes, okay, there was a spy. There was a writer and she would write all these spy movies. And, and, you know, and then all of a sudden a spy shows up on a train and says, I'm here to save you. Then the next person goes, but what winds up happening is that is that the writer actually finds out she's a spy. And so then and, and and then and and actually she starts to remember that she can fight. So she starts fighting. Then the third person goes, but then we find out that she was really a double agent and she was really a bad guy. Then the next person next to them goes, but then she finds out she was a double double agent. And now she's actually trying to be good. And then the next person goes, that's what this felt like. It just felt like different people just adding shit and everybody's sitting there just adding to this story until everybody goes and we go, wow, look what we did. Look at all the twists and turns we had here. That's what it felt like to me. It was just that big of a mess. And like, 
all of the stuff you set up, I guess the, the, the parts where I felt this movie really was working, I guess you could say. And it's not much, but I think when we were in the first act, not all of the stuff, but when it was just Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard, and she was the writer caught in this world that didn't, and she didn't understand why all this was happening. And he was the spy trying to guide her through and trying to explain to her that, no, this is real life stuff. And you, you, you need to help me figure this out. And she's trying to figure out, well, what would I write or what would I do or trying to kind of come up with it. And it was kind of this big thing of him trying to save her and her trying to decide whether or not she trusts him or not. And then him seeming kind of shady about certain things, but then showing up the saver and stuff. There was a little point in there where I thought the movie was kind of working with that dynamic. But when they switched everything and she was the spy and all of a sudden I'm remembering everything. And not only am I a spy, but I'm the greatest spy ever. I'm like the top of the spy food chain. It's been five years since I've done anything. I haven't trained. I've been writing and thinking I'm just a regular person and doing occasional yoga, but now I'm a super spy and I can do all this shit. I don't know, man. It just, when they flipped it, I think it ruined the whole dynamic that the film had going for it when it was working for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and they also could have planted seeds there too about like, some random stuff that she would do where you feel like, well, why does she know how to do that? Or why does she think that way? And then it could have led into more of like why she could so easily just get right back into it. You know what I mean? They could have set that up earlier too. It's why is it whenever they're trying to reveal to her that she's a spy, Sam Rockwell throws a punch at her and she fucking punches him. But when Catherine O'Hara grabs her and puts a gun to her, that doesn't trigger the same thing. Right. She's just kind of like, mom, what's going on? Like, yeah. yeah, Why whatever that happens, why wouldn't she do like a a snapmare takedown? You know what I mean? Like something like that. Or why on the train when all that shit's going on? Is she just sitting there? Is her danger response not going off at any point yet? Or was it, did they have to tell her you're a spy for her to then have spy reactions all of a sudden? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, It just, it just happened when it was convenient for the script. But like you guys are saying, why weren't those seeds be being planted before that? Or why weren't these weird, subtle things? You know, if you just have a little creativity and you're not being so lazy and just thinking your shit is the shit, you could have came up with some fun, interesting ways See, where little subtle things could have happened. Something's thrown at her and she catches it or something, you know, Things where it's not so obvious to us right away. And then you could have played back all that shit and shown that, look, we were showing you she did have some spy instincts. Well, see, why why was it like, but the thing is, is to them, they did because they were like, oh, but we did those, the Henry Cavill stuff. Yeah, you did it, but you did it the wrong way. Yeah. 
you know, like, why is it whenever all that stuff's going down, she didn't accidentally trip a bad guy. And it looked like you could do it where she intentionally does it, but doesn't realize what's going to happen with it. Like that's some spy reflex shit. Or instead of her catching it, how about they throw something at her, but she dodges it in a unique way. Yeah. You know, that type of stuff. And she, and she could still dodge and look scary and look like, oh, I'm out of my element. But still, she's doing it. She did it. And maybe she doesn't even immediately realize that was an instinct. She just thinks, oh, I'm, it just looks like, oh, I'm just trying to survive this situation. But yeah, you could have done some subtle stuff like that. And then came back to it and said, nope, that wasn't a coincidence. That wasn't just you doing something. That was purposeful. You yeah. know, you know how to do this. Because if you're creative with how you frame it, have her think she's lucky. Yeah. She moved in a lucky way. She just happened to dodge this. Yeah. She just happened to trip this guy. She yeah. just happened to grab this before that guy did. She could have got, she, there could have been something where a gun drops and she picks she grabs up the it. gun. Yeah, she grabs it. And she's like shaking or whatever. And he's like, and he's like, you know, maybe he's in trouble and she fires one off and shoots the guy perfectly, you know, well, it's, and it's just one, you know, yeah. or, or a gun falls and it's between her and a bad guy and he goes to get it and she quickly grabs it before him. Like what, that's like the spy reflex thing. She gets it. Like you said, Jastin, she's sitting there shaking and all this other stuff. And the guy comes and it's like a perfect headshot. But she's all shaking yeah. and trembling and stuff like that. So it's like, oh, shit, that's lucky. And it wasn't. That was the reflex. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to be more creative and play with a little bit more. But they didn't do any of that shit. So, like, that's why it felt like such a tonal shift. Like, whenever we got there to, and we've seen this before, the spy that loses their memories and they start remembering stuff like that. Excuse me. But like we're saying, Normally, it's a systematic process of them gradually understanding this. And it was laughable whenever Sam Rockwell is talking to her. And she's like, well, why didn't you tell me any of this the whole time we were together? And he was like, well, you had to come to your senses in in, in your own time or at your own pace or whatever. And I'm like, bruh. This wasn't a systematic thing. You punched her this one time and all of a sudden it was everything was back. Like, what the fuck? How was that the explanation? Why, why was her own time five minutes after you told her? Yeah, like what even was that? And that move and that's another thing this movie was bad at. It was just bad at explanations, period. Like, I'm sitting there going, why is Sam Rockwell alive? And when it got to the explanation of I shot you in the perfect place where there's a space between the the heart and the ventricles and all that stuff, then I was just sitting there going, okay, why did I even ask? Like, well, But even on top like, of all that, I hate the logic behind it. Like the accidental version of it at the beginning tracks infinitely more than the intentional one. Just because, you know. Not everybody's heart's in the exact same place in their body. Exactly. There's there's some leeway, you know? Or what if he just happened to flinch a little when she was, you know, going to shoot him? The accidental version tracks. The intentional one does not. How does she know that he doesn't have some weird heart defect? 
and his heart is right where she's shooting. She do, she's not MRIing that man before she's shooting him. Yeah, and then she said, all you got to do is stop the bleeding with one, a single handkerchief, a single kerchief. But maybe that kerchief <laughs> is made out of the anti Seven Eleven paper towel. It's just the most absorbent. It's just absorbed. <laughs> yeah, it just absorbs everything. Actually, I don't know if you uh, want that. That'd be kind of funny if it had just absorbed all his blood. He's just a desiccated husk, just dry. Just. But I mean, but either way, well, it was just a single kerchief. So I want, I want to talk about something we haven't <laughs> talked about yet. The hacker, the world's greatest hacker that's in this movie. So this man hacks this list, right? Gets this list. Apparently doesn't look at it. Because then he would have seen the person, like the people committing atrocities. One of the people on the list is the woman buying it from him. What kind of hacker is he? So he either just doesn't look at the list he just took because, you know, he's a hacker with morals. Or he looked at the list and went, huh, this assassin who hired me to get this list surely won't kill me. She's just an assassin. Like the number one assassin on the list. Surely they won't. What the fuck was that? Worst hacker ever. Yeah. Hacker with the heart of gold. Yeah. and, and, And like if he had ran or something or got attacked or something like that, that could have been something you could have played off later. And been like, well, that's why he ran because he knew your ass was a, he saw your ass on the list. You know, you could have played with that if he had disappeared or ran and then you had him later or something like that, you know? Yeah, he could have ran away and then you could have done a heist to get the list from the secret keeper. Oh, like a good movie would have done. Yep. Both of you would appreciate this. So I watched this movie. Leaving the theater. And there's this woman right in front of me talking to her friend. Leaving the theater also. She loved this movie. Loved it. Just absolutely loved it. Do you know why she loved it? Because she's also a writer. Motherfucker, writing blogs on fucking Tumblr doesn't make you a writer and also doesn't make this movie good. <laughs> I would think if you're a writer, you were offended by this movie. <laughs> yeah. With, the, with with that logic, wow. I'm a screenwriter. Okay, I'm a screenwriter. This movie's bad. Haha, I trump you. Right. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Yeah, that's a weird logic. Yeah. I mean... But I wish I could have that optimism. I mean, to to live in that world of sunshine and flowers, where apparently movies this bad are good. What, what a world to live in. She must have the best paper towels at home. The best. She just gets nothing but like that quadruple ply, you know, you spill a gallon, you get that one sheet. You don't even need the full sheet. You get the quarter sheet. 
can get a gallon. <laughs> Those have, have you ever had a paper towel ever actually work like it does on the commercials? Where like you spill all that shit and you just do the one and you do the the, the zigzag and it just gets all of it. No streaks. Have you ever had that? No. <laughs> no, I did do a science fair project one year on what paper towel is the strongest. And you just kept, you know, just pour water on it to see until it breaks. <laughs> what was the strongest? I don't remember. <laughs> it better have been fucking brawny. It's in the name. Yeah, yeah it probably was. I don't remember, though. But my my question, though, too, with the whole thing about, you know, the 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 one handkerchief that just, you know, stopped it. The guys that were like, you know, holding him down, wouldn't they have seen her do that? Or like if they didn't see her do it, like seeing that it was there afterwards, like and they wouldn't question that. But also I don't know. But also on top of that, (laughs) a either the bullet went through him. So a through and through. So cool. You better have the most absorbent paper towels or the longest fingers because you would have had to shove that paper towels all the way through him or not paper towel, the handkerchief. I'm sorry. All the way through him to make sure you're, you know, you're stopping the bleeding from the other side or he's got a bullet in him, (laughs) which is dangerous because you shot him through a, what, a two inch gap in, in his heart like vessels and the bullet's still there. He's a walking time bomb of death. He's just doing everything like he's totally fine. And also pain free, pain free. Like he didn't just get shot in the chest. How the fuck is he lifting his arm when his fucking pec and lat just got fucking shot? Yeah, you would be so fucked up. You wouldn't be. But they were playing it almost like he got knocked out. Like he just woke up like. Oh, like he was like he was like he had a concussion or something that dude, you would be fucked up. Like you couldn't do shit. <laughs> he would be a lot, but he would be hanging on. He would just be barely be hanging on. Justin, have you ever worked out so hard that you can't lift your like arms up past your chest? Yes. This man got shot. and was doing everything. I know. And dancing and spinning and smiling and doing the, what did they call the move? Where the whirly you do the and spin around the whirly bird. Is that also you know? not the least sexy name for what is potentially a sexy dance move? Yeah. Yeah. You get genitals in your face and you call it a whirly bird? Get the fuck out of here. I don't give and a fuck those, if that's actually what it's called. You sexify that name. And then the camera view that it would do where the view of the person looking up at him <laughs> doing the carrying and then the person doing the split looking down at him and it's just like perfect symmetry where they can see each other and it's gross like, it's again just gross angles like the first time i was like okay uh, that's kind of funny and then by the time we get to the end of the movie and everyone's doing it it's just not funny anymore like it never they knew did it when three to just, times yeah, it it just never knew when to just have one joke or one thing and move on. It just had to linger in its shit like it was the best shit. And see, that's why I keep coming back to self-indulgent and arrogant. I'm not just saying that because I'm like ragging on the movie and hating on it. It's I factual. really felt that vibe. It feels so, I really felt that vibe because it just kept 
hammering these things in like these were just great ideas and they are excellent and you are going to be entertained by this same shit every single time. I saw this movie five days ago, Justin, and I've been racking my brain. Not that, okay, that's a lie because that's putting more effort into it than I did. But I've been trying to think of what if I were to use a word to describe this movie other than boring, what would it be? And you nailed it, Justin. It's arrogant. And if you were to give it two words to make it more accurate, it's false arrogance. Yeah. But I'm like confused too because Rotten Tomatoes gives this movie like a 30 something, but the audience gave it like 70 something. That's because 70% of the people that saw this movie were writers. (laughs) That's the only explanation. Yeah. Yeah. It's because I think all of that is attributed to the cast. All of that is because you got a bunch of likable people in here. You know, the Breaking Bad is in here. The King, Brian Cranston's in here. You got Henry Cavill. He's who doesn't like him. You know, Sam John Rockwell, Cena's got, John yeah, Cena, Sam Dua Rockwell. Lipa, I mean, yeah, Catherine Bryce O'Hara. Dallas Howard. You know, yeah. these are people that people really like. An adorable cat. Yep. Yeah. When it wasn't CGI. You know, you, you, uh, why were they trying to, why were they giving that cat the Henry Cavill treatment of just trying to make him look as ugly as fuck? No. When that cat went feral, why did it look like the Cheshire cat from the live action, uh, <laughs> Alice in Wonderland <laughs> TV show? Oh, God. Also, though, with that, like, I was like, okay, I know that they're about to use this cat for something in this movie that means something. And they use it to scratch out the eye, but then like that did nothing anyway, because then it was like, yeah, the cat you know? finally does something and it ruins everything. Yeah. Come on, get the fuck out of yeah. here. It's a cat. It would have, it would have been way better than that. Yeah. But once again, it's, they saw Captain Marvel in the Marvels and they wanted to do something with the cat because like I said, they can't do an original fucking thing in this movie. Even the whole, oh, the master this? list. Oh, you mean the knock list from Mission Impossible 1? Everything about this movie is a fucking ripoff of something. Dudes really wanted to be like a new Marvel Universe. I mean, yeah, you got the the cat stuff from those MCU movies. You got the spy thriller from Winter Soldier, you know, and the, the same fight scenes from it. And, and you're trying to make a whole universe. Well, Civil War, like, you got the, the yeah. Civil War lineups with that, you know. You got Sam Jackson. <laughs> you got Sam Jackson. You got a dance sequence just like from the Marvels. Yep. You know. Yep. Somebody out of their depth, like Miss Marvel from the Marvels. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A wrestler turned actor, you know. <laughs> it got all the same things. Yeah. Oh, fuck me. Fuck this movie. Guys, got any more thoughts? I'm all out of thoughts about this one. Yep. So was it. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. 
We are Cinema Slayers Podcast on uh, Facebook. We are Cinema underscore Slayers on uh, Threads, Instagram, and Letterboxd. We are at Cinema Slayers Pod on TikTok and YouTube. Uh, give us a five-star rating review. We, re- we would really appreciate it. We'd really help us out. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends, and most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love. Um, Sam Rockwell. Dancing Sam Rockwell was the correct answer. Dancing Sam Rockwell, you're right. Yeah, specifically that. Yes. Nobody likes racist Sam Rockwell. No, he gets awards for it, but nobody likes it. <laughs> Everybody loves a dancing Sam Rockwell, though. Yes. Best part of the first Charlie's Angels movie. Dancing Sam Rockwell. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos, respectively. Remember here at the Cinema Slayers podcast, we are pro-slut, pro-Sydney, pro-naked. You, yes, you, Cinefan, you are Knuff. And justice for Chris. And justice for us for having to watch this fucking movie. Yes. Yes, please. And as I always end these TikToks, these YouTube videos, and this podcast, just remember, according to Justin, Henry Kissinger is still dead. I was out of left field for you. Changed it up a little bit. You kind of got. A- I had to make sure everybody knew that. We alluded to it earlier, but I did not officially confirm that Henry Kissinger was still dead. I wanted to make sure everybody knew that. Cinema Slayers. I want everybody to know that my ever vigilant eye is on the lookout for him raising from the dead. And I will let them know when the end of days have come and him and his undead army have come to take over the world. But I'll be on the lookout. Got my eyes on you, Kissinger. It's your duty. Not the hero we deserve, but the one we need. That watcher on the wall. (laughs) Right. Fuck, this movie is draining. We went two hours and 40 minutes and only an hour and 40 was on that fucking movie. Oh, man. What a time to be alive. We're, we, we sandwiched this fucking movie between two Academy Award movies. Because spoilers to the fans out there. We're doing American Fiction next week. So not only are we doing three A movies in a row, it's Academy Award nominated movie, Argyle Academy Award nominated movie. And then Madam Web. What a roller coaster we we are going to have. <laughs> it's a mixed bag month. going on here. Yeah. Yeah, boy. We... Oh, man. Just a roller coaster. All right, I'm out.